You're listening to the Potato Candy Network. Hello and welcome back to Blank Scenario. I am your host, Marie, a.k.a. Queen in Yellow. I am Sir Isaac, Sir Sasquatch. You may refer to me accordingly. But we've heard of you at least once or twice. <laughs> and joining us today um, from several other places. So I'll have to let him <laughs> give his whole spiel. Um, Zach Goins, how are you doing? Uh, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Zach is over at Geeks Can't, a podcast and Twitch stream. Also, World of Game Design Company and Old Guard Games. Did, did I miss anything? You got it. That, that's <laughs> enough. Yeah. It's quite a roll call there. It's much more impressive than what we've got going on. Uh. <laughs> so Zach is on, um, partly because I got to hop on their stream uh, two weeks ago, which was a lot of fun. Yeah. And he has several projects he's working on. So we thought we'd have him on to discuss some of those. Heck yeah. <laughs> to start with, we'll go ahead and actually do a lightning round. So for those who are new to the show, we did some last year. I think it was the only time we've done it. Normally, we'll do an entire episode on one prompt. For a lightning round, we are going to do one or two prompts and do five minutes and then never touch them again. (laughs) So quick, condensed, and we'll give you at least a mini story prompt you can run with at home. I'm going to take our first lightning round prompt. Most of my prompts are found through Twitter and or Facebook posts, (laughs) just because people post random things. And this is probably one of the best things that makes me want to buy a crystal ball ever. Someone said they bought their giant crystal ball, whatever size it is, and they were told to never, ever, ever leave it uncovered when you're not home. And their first thought was, oh, yeah, because spirits and ghosts, right? They said, no, because if the sun hits it, it'll burn your house down. (laughs) Which is the most utilitarian way of using this possible, because it's a giant glass sphere. So it's going to reflect light in weird directions. (laughs) So imagine putting a giant magnifying glass in your living room and living window open. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. So this feels, yeah, this feels kind of like a, a really dumb mystery you'd have to solve. Like my house burned down. I think there's a ghost, and this just is sitting in the wreckage somehow. <laughs> huh. Yeah, that's a great angle to take it. As far as you know, like, because I think the party, or at least me as a player, would immediately go to, oh, it's got to be a magical way of doing that, right? Mm-hmm. And exploring that angle of it, if it's just this glass in the middle of a burnt building, but maybe it's not magical. Maybe it's just <laughs> that it's a big glass orb that enhances the light. I'd have a lot of fun with that as a DM because it's okay. My characters are always investigating things and digging way too deep. I'm just going to give them a mundane orb and they can they can insist away whatever they want. Oh man, it it gives me a new appreciation for cabinet doors, though. If you think about it, just I mean, having a bunch of crystal glasses in there in the <laughs> kitchen, where there's a nice big skylight, you know, um, really gonna have trouble sleeping tonight. Something you said, Zach, about the party would investigate so much within D and D. We're trained to use magic, investigate magic, detect magic, detect good and evil. Mm-hmm. It would be great if you could have a magical item around and basically have a bunch of red herrings that your party yeah. is tasked with figuring out what happened. Who did this? Someone caused my house to burn down. And it's some person who just accidentally left the blanket off the crystal ball. But you can have two or three rabbit holes of people who don't like this person 
who you're basically going like shaking people down for information that they don't actually have. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The tricky part of it is making sure that you don't have ignorant players, right? Because I would definitely be the dumb person who's like, well, I don't know what's going on. It's not any of these magical items and this magic orb isn't, or this orb isn't magical. So I don't know what it would never cross my mind that it was like a sun reflection or magnification thing. You could have like a really absent minded. uh, What what would this be? Would this be like a prophecy maker or Oracle that uses crystal balls? Or is that just, am I making that up? I mean, you could have a seer. I would think that's like a cleric, depending upon the town, you could even have, Maybe they're of the domain of knowledge or something like that. So mm-hmm. It could work that way. If they were really absent-minded, that might make sense as to why they actually left it uncovered. Um, but I don't know. See, th- this this is the problem that I always bring to the show, is I would make it an absent-minded <laughs> cleric who literally left town and was on a trip and forgot to tell anyone. And so, you know, the house burns down. Everything's gone. Oh. They're looking for the guy. They can't find him. He's alive. He's fine. He's just gone. Is this basically a murder case without a body? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <my> word. <laughs> it's the equivalent of leaving your oven on, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's a great little level party adventure, too, because there's no real danger. It's just how much trouble can they cause before the person shows back up? <laughs> mm-hmm. And in a wizard's uh, or, uh, uh, or a seer's burned out house, there's probably plenty for them to get in trouble with. Oh yeah, yeah. Yes. That that is a whole mini smear right there. So uh, we're, we're gonna leave that one there. So have fun running with that one, guys. Um, <laughs> Levi, if you use that, let us know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Isaac, what is your lightning round prompt? So I've been playing with this idea, um, and I think it would be interesting for a prompt. It it, it might actually do better as one of these minis. But what if Jumanji was in D&D? For all I know, it is. You know, for all I know, you know, there's a deck of many things. But what if there was this game that kind of sucked you into a different world? Or it could be that you now have to do... Like, it it could even be played with the deck of many things. Where, you you know, you're drawing, whatever's drawn is is the result that your party has to deal with. But in-game, a game within a game... But I, I don't know how to exactly make a plot around it. So, thoughts? You do have, within the Dungeon Master's Guide, there are the, I forget exactly what they're called, but they're animal tokens that, mm-hmm. when you activate them, they turn into the animals oh. that they look like. So, like a lion statue, an eagle statue, um, those type of things. So, if you had maybe a board that, when you move the piece, that piece comes to life. Hmm. Hmm. yeah those are figurines of wondrous power right like that's the uh that's the pitch um i love the idea of like a jumanji style thing or or something akin to that where the pieces animate or i mean and i think that that's that's something that we've seen somewhat before but how cool would it be if if there was some mechanism by by which that worked or it only worked under certain parameters and so you could play the game for you know x amount of time mini game wise but and maybe nothing would happen and it's just a regular <laughs> game and then the next time you guys play it on the next session uh an elephant stampedes into your living room like, like if they actually activate something within the game that's worth activating mm. they'll know the results but otherwise they're just playing a mundane board game 
right? Yeah. And a clever party, like, and once you've got it figured out, right, it come, it becomes a puzzle. And then once you figure out the puzzle and you figure out, like, what is the sequence of events that conjures the elephant? Now it's a tool, um, which is Ooh, which is great. That's Ooh, scary. <laughs> dangerous. I like it. I'm just imagining by the end you have the hunter that shows up for one of your PCs. And if Napalm will level your parties up, that's going to be real interesting. <laughs> Because you now have these owl bears and monsters running after you, and this guy with a gun. That, depending upon your setting, <laughs> that might be a new thing for your party to deal with. Right. Oh, oh and you can even have someone come out of the game too. Mm-hmm. Have your Robin Williams pop out, who's been trapped there, which would give you a guide, <laughs> which would explain the rules if they haven't figured it out yet. That's true. I like it. I always like when when you find ways of doing a mini game inside a D and D game that. And then, but then not, it's not just about the mini game, right? Like I don't want to play Scrabble just to play Scrabble and D. <laughs> right. But mm-hmm. if, if playing Scrabble and D and D works within the story and it also gives me utility or tools to carry forward within the story, I'll play Scrabble all day. Mm-hmm. It would definitely be cool if you could take the idea of just Jumanji game. Cause it's just a wooden box with the pieces in it. That's not necessarily out there in there for this time period for fantasy anyway. And we know outside of the movie and everything that when you finish the game, the game ends. So there is an ending point. So once your players find that ending point, they can challenge anyone they want to. Like you said, Zach, it's a utility tool now. Anyone you don't like, you can challenge to this game. They might die along the way or be trapped in a game forever. And you just move your piece to the end, yell Jumanji, and you're finished. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I also like... I, I'm a sucker for history of magic items that I don't know the history of, right? So I would be fascinated to have a product where, or an adventure where I find out that the figurines of wondrous power are actually pieces to a board game, and the board game Ooh. itself is, oh. you know, it's been scattered to the to the four winds. But there's a game that can be played with these that does something different. Could be fun. Oh, that'd be cool. Basically, a massive treasure hunt to find the original game to reassemble all of it. Yeah. I'm actually rereading the books of the Malazan right now. And in there, there is a group of ragtag soldiers that play gambling card games with a fortune teller's deck. And so they, they don't know, they make the rules up as they go. That That's kind of the charm of this little group. But as you listen to, I'm listening to it on Audible. As you're listening, you'll hear pieces of the story in the background being revealed as they play this game. So it's like, oh, that card, I know what character's connected to that card. Oh, look how it's impacting these other cards. You could actually use that in-game to try and give a cryptic message to the party or to maybe have some sort of prophecy in there connecting all these pieces across the world. I I think there's a lot you could do with this. I like the idea of it being a tools act. Your character falls in a pit. Next day, you fall in a pit. Wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, you give me you give me uh, some uh, <laughs> some work here, Isaac. So appreciate that. <laughs> Make it a say, Next wondrous item, Jumanji yeah. game. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> All right. Uh, we will go ahead and leave those two lightning rounds there. I think honestly, I kind of go back to both of those at some point at home game. So we'll we'll have to see when those come up. We'll go ahead and jump over to Zach. So 
you have currently two Kickstarter projects. Mm -hmm. I think if I have my dates right, by the time this airs, they're both going to be completed. So Mm -hmm. we'll have to make sure you send me links for where people can find them afterwards. Absolutely. We'll go ahead and start with the first one, which is a bit more D&D themed at least. Mm -hmm. The first Kickstarter project that you've got going on is Curse of the Weaver Queen. Uh, mm. which is from World of Game Design and Olgard Games, I believe. That's right. And uh, two sentences or less. <laughs> can, <laughs> can you give us a brief overview of what that Kickstarter is covering? Yes. Curse of the Weaver Queen is a system-neutral temple crawl through a temple filled with uh, arachnids and arachnid variants and a weaver queen. Uh, <laughs> there's a mystery for you to explore alongside the the crawly aspect of it and we're also producing conversions for uh, fifth edition dungeon crawl classics ose um, and maybe something else before it's all said and done so when you say it's system neutral do you mean you could i could take GURPS to this or i could take any version of D, or is it still focusing on a certain universe where there's different versions of the game no, so there you could take and apply anything to it. So what's going to be in the box set is the adventure itself, which is laid out uh, with language that is evocative but does not introduce mechanics, right? Hmm. Um, so it tells the story. It gives you all the tool sets that way, but it doesn't say this spider's, D- uh, you know, Venom is a constitution DC 14, right? It doesn't say that. Instead, it might say, this spider has the deadly um, Widowmere venom. And then you can imagine what that is for GURPS, <laughs> or you can use one of our uh, handy-dandy uh, printable conversions to know what that means for your 5th edition game or whatever. Right? So it'll have the adventure, it'll have a bestiary, which is all just the art and the descriptions and things like that for all the creatures. It'll have your maps, it'll have tokens, all the things that you need to run in any system sans the, the number crunching. So this is originally, or this was a older scenario that was originally published. Do you know when the Curse of the Weaver Queen first came out? That is a great question. Um, <laughs> you are fine. You are asking uh, the wrong guru here. Um, it was a while back. Um, this is an adventure that was originally written by Tim Kask, uh, who was one of the OG um, editors for uh, TSR, Engines and Dragons, right? And Tim wrote a lot of different things and, and produced a lot of different adventures, especially once he kind of got out of the editor role and into <laughs> uh, whatever he wanted to do role. And so Curse of the Weaver Queen is one of those things. And it's it's seen a print run before um, and it's seen a production, but that production had a different goal in mind um, and it was presented in a different way. Uh, and it's more, it, 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 it was efficient. How about that? <laughs> what we want is to kind of, blow it out of the water and to bring it up to its maximum potential. And and that's our goal here. Hmm. I'd say looking at the Kickstarter, even just how it's presented, it definitely it looks like something you'd get get everyone together for a game night, just open up the box and just, okay, here's character sheets. Let me pull out my tokens and we're gonna start on this. Yep. I am a huge <laughs> box set nerd. Um uh, I say box I I like box sets and I'm becoming more and more of the huge nerd for them. Um I've got a bunch of them. And so anytime I get to, anytime I look at a project, in the back of my mind, I'm saying, could we make this into a box set? (laughs) Um, And so, yeah, you're you're exactly right. Like the goal of this is it's all in one and it's an experience, not just an adventure. 
Yeah, I love I love the style of it, and even being a not spider person that I am, it feels like something. <laughs> at least I can run it well enough. <laughs> I will definitely be giving someone else the dice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel safe in telling you. So we've got a couple uh, custom dice that is included in the box set that have they're D8s because spiders have eight legs. I thought that was fun. <laughs> um, but we have D8s in the box that have the eight replaced with a spider. Um, but then we're going to announce in the next couple of days as of this recording that we're actually got a whole spider themed polyhedral set that we're custom designing for this. Wow. Nice. And it's it they're gonna be really fun. So um yeah it's not a, it's not something for the uh, arachnophobe out there. <laughs> um but we're gonna we're gonna lean into it just this once. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Especially the theme. You kinda have to, if nothing yep. else. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> think is currently on kickstarter right now i think when this episode releases it's probably gonna be the day after mm-hmm. um so where are you planning on having this released after kickstarters were filled and everything's been shipped out that way any plans for the aftermath yes so um there's going to be a couple different places that i anticipate you being able to pick it up uh the pdf version will be available through drive through rpg as soon as it gets done it'll also be available at our web store which is store.wogd.com. Um, we'll we'll have pre-orders up there eventually, and then we're also considering just because it it sometimes helps people that there's a there's a subset of our community that would rather not support Kickstarter, and we understand those people and and that sentiment. So we'll probably end up doing a little Indiegogo campaign uh, for folks like that afterwards. Um, so there'll be there'll be two or three options. Uh, hmm. Gotcha. Yeah, I'll, I'll be really curious to see once we get it how, once we sit down to play it, how everyone enjoys it, or if I'm the only one that has to cringe. <laughs> yeah. This might be good therapy for me. We'll, we'll see. There you go. <laughs> well, that is the curse. I have to make sure I say it right. Curse of the Weaver Queen. Mm-hmm. It's the hardest name to say for some reason. I'm so sorry if I've said it wrong before. <laughs> no problem. I had to correct myself and. There's a Scooby-Doo episode that is Curse of the Weaver, and so I have to admit it's Curse of the Weaver Queen. Aha. <laughs> I have to correct myself, unfortunately. <laughs> I, I said for a long time, uh, I, I, for a long time I had in my mind that I was going to call it Curse of the Spider Queen. Um, I don't know why. And then I had Curse of the Reaver Queen in there for a while, which <laughs> made no sense. Uh, so yeah, you and me both. <laughs> I first read it as, as Skeever Queen or whichever the rat race is. <laughs> I was like, interesting. I haven't heard of this yet. All right. Hey, either way, it's a memorable name. There you go. So the second project you've got going on, which this is a bit of a jump for us because we typically do D&D fantasy. Uh, we're, we're switching gears, which I enjoy, but I'm sure is not for everyone. You specifically, Zach, are working on a Morkberg Borg yeah, don't try um, too hard. Yeah. That's, that's the right answer. Yeah, yeah. It's, if I'm right, I think it's Swedish. And it's like, I'm going to butcher it no matter what I do. <laughs> but you're yeah. working on a apocalyptic fantasy um, scenario you've come up called Seven Aboard the Shackle. That's right. And I'll, I'll let you take the pitch on that one since I'm sure you know it better. All right. So, yeah, yeah. So don't don't struggle. Just call it Morkborg. <laughs> that's what we're going to call it here in the U.S. Let's just accept that fact. Swedish chef um, style, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we call it Morkborg. Um, Morkborg is this great D20 based system that is 
really, really simple. I mean, it, it's a fraction of the complexity of D&D. And so it's fun for that way. It's a great like beer and pretzel <laughs> sort of feel. It's a great, hey, I'm going to introduce you to RPGs, but maybe you, we don't dive off the deep end with uh, something that involves a two hour long character creation process. <laughs> Morkborg is great for this. Um, it's also great um, for people who like being surprised Morkborg is filled with tables by and large, right? You're rolling on tables all the time. In character creation, you're rolling on tables. When you're running uh, uh, adventures, you're rolling on tables. Um, Every day you roll on a table to see if the world (laughs) comes closer to ending. It's just good um, in that case. And and it also, like you said, it's this apocalyptic fantasy, this dark fantasy, black fantasy almost, um, in, in a fun way. And so you get to do and say things in a Morkborg adventure that you probably wouldn't do or say in a D&D. Hopefully nothing. <laughs> that sounded probably worse than I meant for it to. But... I've heard some weird stuff in D&D games. So that's yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I guess, uh, I guess, yeah, D&D can be whatever you want it to. <laughs> Morkborg is definitely going to be on that extreme weird gotcha. side of it. Um, and, I kind of like that space. I kind of like the space of like, I'm not, I'm not a big horror guy. Uh, I'll be honest, but I do like really evocative language. And sometimes leaning into a genre allows us to use a new palette of words that we didn't get to use as much over here. Right. Okay. And so Morkborg allows that and it lets you describe things with vile, pungent, macabre, profane descriptions um and um you're like wow that that that's a flavor that i haven't had in my D for a while <laughs> or that i only had as like a sprinkling and now it's like this you know we crust the entire thing with it so that's that's the idea behind morkborg and then seven aboard the shackle is like me getting really excited about morkborg and saying i've got to write something <laughs> and um i'm going to lean really heavy into it because i may never write another morkborg thing and so I created this, I, or I had this idea of what if you did a prison crawl instead of a dungeon crawl? I'm like, that sounds fun. And then I started researching prisons and I'm like, you know what, you know what's a cool type of prison is these prison hulks that we have in our own history. Um, I say cool type of prison. That's awful. <laughs> um, but... yeah. we, we, we gotcha. Historically speaking, it's interesting. <laughs> yeah. Love to visit. I'd hate to live. Yeah, there. there you go. But the idea of like, we have these decommissioned ships that, we just put out to port and like built buildings on top of, and then like encased them in iron. And we're like, this is a prison now that to me was fascinating. I'm like, maybe that, that I haven't seen that in a fantasy setting. Let's, and that feels very Morkborgy. So let's do that. <laughs> and then I've always had this love of Batman. So as soon as I started thinking about prisons, I started thinking about Arkham Asylum. I'm like, you know what I like about Arkham Asylum is the rogues gallery. And I like having villains that have personality and identity and have that unique silhouette. And so I'm going to do that. And so that's kind of the mixture of it. And then I just packed in a ton of tables that I thought would make it weird and make it something that the GM discovers right alongside the players. And then that evolved into a card system that's optional that kind of takes away some of the tables and turns it into cards, which is even weirder and more tactile at a table. Um and here we are. I don't know. It, that wasn't a very good pitch, but it's what I got. I think that was perfect. I love when you first said Morkborg was a table system. I mean, like, I love this. I love tables. I love rolling on tables. 
it is the best thing. Just open up a book of tables and just roll a bunch of dice and see what you end up with. It's the best thing yeah. ever. So immediately it's like, I want to play the system. And then you have a ship that's floating in the middle of the ocean that has a bunch of prisoners who've taken over. Yep. That, what can go wrong? And then you have cards that's even more random. So, yep. you know, yep. while I know what's in the deck as a GM, I don't know what they're going to face. I don't, like, this room could be a TPK. I have no idea. We're going to find 100%. out. 100%. <laughs> exactly. So you're not only, like, the cards are, oh, I, I love the cards. We're going to do more things with these cards. That's the end of that's the end of it. <laughs> because you don't just draw a card for, like, initially it was like, oh, you'll draw cards for what creatures are in the room. Well, that's fine. But then I'm like, well, what if every area on the ship is a card? And you deal out like ship areas and then you draw because this is a ship that then got turned into a prison that is now who knows what <laughs> under the command of these seven villains. So it could be all manner of things. So when you, you deal out a card to every area of the ship and then every deck of the ship gets a deck of uh, like a hand, a hand of cards that has everything from members of the seven to their minions to captives to uh, restless spirits and other macabre grotesque things so when the players when you enter a new space when you enter a new area you flip over that card and you as the gm first discover for the very first time that you are now in an armory or you are now in a meat locker <laughs> and you're like cool i'm in a meat locker and you know there's a couple different ways you can play it but the way i like to do it is then i have this whole hand for this particular deck of the ship and i'm like all right i have eight cards that i get to use in this deck what of these eight cards is being played in the meat locker I have to pick. And so, yeah, you can do that. Like, uh, that man, we're going to, I'm going to dump four minions and a, and a member of the seven. We're going to TPK right here. But you can also like start to, the, the, the fun thing is you start to create these stories in your mind by like, Oh, there's an armory. Well, I've got, I've got over here, I've got this captive and his backstory is that, or his little flavor bit is that he's a he's an errand runner for the for the seven and he's this young deckhand mm-hmm. um that's blind maybe i'll put him in there and maybe he's polishing weapons and then you get this cool neat experience of he's mm-hmm. and then you you step foot from there into the meat locker and you're like well what's in the meat locker well obviously bodies probably maybe there's spirits in these <laughs> bodies because i've got a spirit card i need to play um <laughs> and it's just fun to like experience it's it's really an exercise in for the gm and like that on the spot creativity and discovery and collaboration with your players to push forward that collaboration and discovery and to include their ideas about what these cards can be interpreted as because sometimes the best ideas come from your players as as we know and they flip over the chain locker and they (laughs) immediately are like that chain locker is where we're going to find so and so and you're like yes it is because i have that card that sounds like a good (laughs) idea So one of the descriptions I saw for Seven Aboard the Shackle was a gory Lovecraftian adventure, which immediately fit my style because anything Lovecraft or Cthulhu I love. <laughs> so it's just like hands down, I'm like, yeah, I'm done. I'm, I'm good to go with this. I know, however, of course, we do a lot of D&D, do a lot of, not a lot of Call of Cthulhu, but Little Fears most of the week. And having read the description of Morkboard, I can almost guarantee you, Casey will never read this book. <laughs> <laughs> no. So, <laughs> I, I can almost guarantee he will not be able to make it through this book. <laughs> um, if, if I had it right, you have to start at the front of the book, go to the middle of the book, back to the front. You skip around it, right? Yeah, I'm gonna. Bit, yeah, I'm not gonna lie. I owned this book for like a year before I before I could figure it out. Um, <laughs> it it won a lot of awards 
um, a lot of innies back, mm-hmm. I don't know, like, I think it was 2020 innies, maybe 2021, but um, I think 2020. And, and, it's, and so that's why I bought it, because I'm like, oh, this, yeah. <laughs> this evidently knows what it's doing. Let's find out what it's doing. And then I read it, and I was like, I don't know. Like, whatever. This is... <laughs> This is beautiful, but there's not a like if there's a game in here, it wants me to hunt for it, and I I'm lazy. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> um, and so I left. I sat on my shelf for eight months, and then I was at a trade show, and I was flanked by um, workboard creators, third party creators. Mm-hmm. And so I was talking with one of them, Ed Burrell, and he he said um he said I said what's the deal with Morkboard? Like why would I care about Morkboard? This book is ridiculous. <laughs> He's like Zach, it's 100% style, 0% substance. The reason that you the reason that you are having a hard time is because you're looking for substance that isn't there. And I'm like, okay, well, I'll, fair enough. I'll go pretend that this book doesn't have anything to it and we'll give it another go. And lo and behold, that's what it took. Uh, the system is abysmally simple. It's rolling a d20 and adding a modifier that's typically anywhere from negative two to plus two. And that's it, y'all. That's oh, wow, yeah. There's there's so little to it, and there's tables and things that add deviations and oddness. But for the most part, you're rolling a d20, and you're trying and you're adding a little tiny modifier. And then, like the book even goes so far as to say, most of the time you're shooting for a twelve. <laughs> and so there's not even like a presentation of like, well, there's scales of DC, and like <laughs> like there yeah, is that. But there, but the book kind of says, <laughs> yeah, but most of the time it should probably be twelve. Um, uh, and so, yeah, the beauty of this is in the tables, in the chaos that it encourages, and then in the great flavor that unlocking this vernacular allows that you wouldn't experience probably Mm -hmm. elsewhere. It's one of those, it's like, I get to supplement before the book, so it's going to be real interesting to read through. (laughs) (laughs) But it's definitely one of like, I would, I really want to try it, because, again, you describe it's just, you roll a d20, and you add something, like, I... That is so much simpler than any other system. Like, okay, you add this, you minus this, you add this, you can reroll this. Nope. It's so simple. <laughs> and, like, for any new player, I'm like, if they love any horror films, they're going to love this because you can make it as extreme or just as weird as you want to, and it fits perfectly. Exactly. And for your for your audience, and maybe for you, I don't know, um, we're, we're going to be doing uh, conversions for this one as well because we know that sometimes people actually want a crunchy system, and sometimes people don't want to learn a new system at all anyways, right? Um, so we're going to do uh, 5e. We're going to do uh, DCC, I think. I, that's on the agenda. We're going to do OSE, and I, we're going to shoot for, we've never done a year zero, uh, which is mm. Free League's engine, but we're going to do that one too. This is 90% tables, and the little bit of crunch is in the stat blocks. So why not try to move the Morkborg palette into some of these other <laughs> systems? I was going to ask for the cards specifically for Seven Board the Shackle. Do the cards have the stats, or are the cards more of a flavor text, and then you'd reference the table for the stats? So the cards will not have stats. They are they are evocative. They are The point is for them to be really easy to reference and for you to slap mm-hmm. them down face up on the table and be like, boom, there's mm-hmm. the thing. Right, and not have to worry about your players seeing the stats. I'll be honest; like one of my design goals is, you know, there's there's new stat blocks for the seven villains. I didn't and create a ton of new stat blocks for minions. There's four, mainly because I want you to use the books that you already have on your shelf. You can already probably mm-hmm. tell me what what should be in this ship <laughs> or what you would find interesting in the ship. And you're probably right, and you're probably more right than I am. Um, so you know, there's a there's a ghast which is like a wraith. There's mm-hmm. a, um, 
uh, a Steigen, which is the stitched together flesh monster. There's an eyeball creature, and there is a um, a brain coral fungus thing that's great. But you know, I'm like, you're probably gonna have zombies in here. I don't need yeah. to write a new st- zombie stat block for you. And you're going to be right. excited if you're running this in 5e. You're going to be excited to be able to pull out that monster manual that you haven't opened in three years um, and say, I can use this here. That's the uh, the design intent is I really want people to adjust some of these tables to fit the things and the creatures and the experiences that they like. Um, and I, I, I'm going to shoot for having a collection of blank cards in the deck too so that um, you can kind of customize it to your own, your own wants. Nice. Yeah, definitely. Again, kind of like the um, Curse of the Weaver Queen. It's it looks so fascinating and fun. It's like I cannot wait to get this. This is one of those I, I was debating like PDF or hard copy. This is a hard copy one. I normally ah, never go yes. hard copy, but I'm like for the yes. cards alone, I'm just thinking like just if no one was to plan a game night, just impromptu game night, pull out the deck, put down the map. Okay, everyone, you're on a ship in the middle of the ocean. Guess what? <laughs> yeah. It can't go wrong. I was just at a convention. It's called, uh, called Winter Fantasy, and I carried around my map and my Morkborg playtest document the whole time. <laughs> and it's the easiest thing in the world because I'm going to be up front with all, you know, you're going to be up front with your players. I was up front with mine. I'm like, hey, do you want to play this? We're going to skip the intro. I'm just going to drop you on a deck of the ship, and we're going to see what you encounter, right? And it's perfect. We, you can play for an hour. You can play for two or whatever. And the ship kind of allows the experience to evolve as long as you want it to. And that's really fun. I We did some play testing for a one-shot version of it, which is just called the one aboard the shackle, which uh, has a singular villain instead of seven and is timed. So you have to finish <laughs> oh. it in one session. Um, and that was a lot of fun. So there's going to be a lot of ways that you can play it if you want. I love that. So, again, this one I know I think is just ending as of now, unfortunately. I think it's like, I checked, I'm like, what is this? Oh, four days. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> so no. sorry. Um, but, again, um, are you gonna t- going to do the same thing for this one? Have it available a couple other places after yeah. as well? Yeah, that's, I can do that real quick. Um, so, it'll be on drive-thru. Our, actually, our goal, and uh, we will, have a print-and-play option on drive-thru for all the cards and everything. So, if you, especially if you're international, you know, shipping can be really problematic. Um, maybe you just want to build your own stuff at home. That's going to be an option for you there. Um, so it'll be on drive through fully. And then we will be printing out um, and offering on our web store the the uh, the full kit. I would expect probably um, you're looking at April-ish for it being on our web store. So not oh, too wow. far around the corner. Nice. You got most of the at least gr- groundwork done for it at this point, it seems then. Yep, all uh, all the writing is done. Uh, all the art is done. We're into layout, and our cartographer is working on our uh, card art and things like that. So the book should be done this week, and, and the accessories probably in the next few weeks, and then it's just off to the printer. Wow. That is, uh, first of all, I want to say congrats on not one, but two Kickstarters at once. Cause Thank you. I can only imagine trying to, I know you're not the only one managing these, obviously, but having to be involved in two at once has got to be a time drain. <laughs> yeah, it, I am fortunate in that that this is my job, so um, <laughs> I could not do it otherwise. But luckily, there's there's enough weird people out there that will that will buy my stuff that I can can afford to do it. Keep you in business. Yep. <laughs> how many how many Kickstarters have you all done in total? 
Yeah, um, that's uh, roughly. Um, I've got. I've done about twenty-four. Oh wow! Okay, um, so you're a veteran. You got this. <laughs> Thank you for your service. <laughs> yeah, we started. I started three years ago, and um, so I've done a bunch under my own profile, and then I help a lot of people, and I I get brought onto a lot of projects. I could say that I am heavily involved in around two dozen projects at this point. Um, more every month. <laughs> uh, we will go ahead and call it there for this episode. Um, again, thank you so much, Zach, for coming on, for doing some story discussion and then sharing the stuff you're working on with us. Um, as far as finding you on the internet, where can people track you down? Absolutely. Um, so you can find me on Facebook. That's the only place that I am lurking in the social medias with any with any, man, I feel so old now. I'm like, <laughs> really? um, that that seems like the wrong place to be. But you can find me on Facebook at Zach Goins. Um, you can also send me an email at Zach at WOGD.com. And uh, you, you'll probably post the links, I'm sure. But, but you can also follow our crew on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and all sorts <laughs> of stuff. They're way better at it than I am. It seems. <laughs> I know you've got the Geeks Can't, which is yes. Geeks. C-A-N-T. That's right. Um, with no apostrophe. That's right. Because yep. we're rebels. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, the, that podcast is a delight. I really appreciated having you on, Marie. Um, mm -hmm. It was, we've been doing, I've been doing a podcast now for four years. Um, and um, Geek Can't, or it's, or it's uh, uh, what it was called before, we've been doing for a couple of years. And um I, I absolutely love it. It lets me meet new people. It lets me talk about all the stuff that I want to talk about anyways. <laughs> and um, it's exactly what I want to be doing all the time. Same. I, I know how that feels. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Yes. All right. Well, thank you again, Zach, for coming on. Um, we will leave the episode here. So be sure, again, all links will be in the notes below. Check those out. And be on the lookout for the next Kickstarter from Zach, whichever team he teams up with, I guess. <laughs> Heck yeah. Thank you so much. All right. We'll see you all later. Bye-bye. Bye. That brings us to the end of this episode. If you have a scenario idea you'd like us to turn to one shot, be sure to send it to us on Facebook or Instagram at Potato Candy Network, or you can also email us at potatocandynetwork at gmail.com. Be sure to follow us on the social media and your podcasting app of choice so you don't miss any new episodes. Also, we would like for you to leave us a review on Apple and Spotify. Let us know what you like about the show. Let other people know what you like. That is still a great way to share new episodes with people. So be sure to go do that as soon as you have a chance. If you'd like to support us, you can find us on Patreon at the link in the show notes below. And if you just can't get enough gaming in your life, we do have a sister podcast, Dreadful Tales, where Casey, a.k.a. Grumpy Elf, runs us through some horror RPGs. Currently, we are working on Monster of the Week and Little Fears, so those have been some fun campaigns you can hop in and see what we are up to. Hello! Bob Spuds here on the scene once again, reporting for Potato Candy Network. 
Thanks for listening. If you liked what you heard, please consider subscribing on your podcasting app of choice. If you have a scenario prompt you want us to use, send it to us on social networking with Instagram and Facebook at Potato Candy Network. And if you really liked us, consider supporting us on Patreon for bonus content monthly, such as behind-the-scenes sneak peeks, inspirations, and future episode previews. Check out our brother show, Dreadful Tales, for some taut tension full truly terrifying tales of terror. <laughs> Got that on the first try, you know. And finally, please leave us a review, as it helps your recommendations and helps others find the hard work we do here at Potato Candy Network. Oh, and friendly reminder, if someone asks you if you're a god, don't think of marshmallows. <laughs> Nobody likes that guy.